Hello and welcome to episode four of this AFL Life. I am Alison Smirnoff and I'm joined once again by my co-hosts, Julia Kiera and Megan McDonald. Hi. Howdy, Al. Now, uh, as is now tradition, we're going to go straight into JC, no filter. Get it. Three weeks make a tradition. All right. T- today's no filter is essentially love the one you're with. <laughs> So last week, <laughs> so last week we saw the debut of AFL X, and in my mind, this is a particularly cynical interpretation of what the AFL think football audiences want to watch. It's a lightning fast yet shortened version of the game. There's absolutely no tension. There's no build-up where seven players fly around on a rectangular field and the ball pings from one end to the other like a game of Pong. If AFLX was a sexual partner, you'd remember them as the jackhammer. Just finish already. (laughs) Wow. What's AFLX's name? (laughs) Brent. (laughs) (laughs) Clubs and players seem rather unenthused by this new footy product, playing their new draftees and depth players. Notably, Nathan Fife utilised the late withdrawal method to evade any future interaction with AFLX. The the reasoning for AFLX, as we are told, is to make the game more accessible to new markets and demographics, whether it be New South Wales, Queensland, China or beyond. It can be played on soccer pitches or rugby fields and maybe even the far side of the moon if need be. Of course, the AFLW haters have now come out of the woodwork to suggest that women stop playing AFL as it is and switch to this new form, essentially putting their two most hated things together, footy light and women. All I'll say to that is anything AFL M players can do, AFLW players can do bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't overly mind AFL-X as an abridged version of the game for casual athletes to play midweek, but the AFL already has this. It's called AFL-9s or AFL-7s. I've played it and it's very fun. (laughs) And it performs a perfectly fine function for the social sport market in the same way that futsal, indoor cricket and indoor netball have loyal participants. But to put it on TV and expect us to be enthused about watching it seems to me like replacing the Australian Open with cardio tennis. Ew. (laughs) 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 The timing, of course, of AFLX has already been criticised. We were told year two of AFLW would be about consolidation. That was why the season wasn't extended. We didn't get a final series and no new teams were introduced. AFL House supposedly wanted to strengthen the AFLW competition without tinkering too much with it. The logic of them introducing a competing AFL format in week three of AFLW seems extraordinary and suggests that perhaps the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. Last year, the new audience that was drawn to AFLW loved the community feel of the games, the genuine passion and enjoyment the players derive from playing, and the return to old school suburban footy. To then turn around and create something like AFLX the year following seems bananas. But AFL, excuse me, why? <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone stopped to ask the question why? Why does AFL House have this obsession with expansion? 
Has the AFL been drinking the neoliberal Kool-Aid where they feel the need to grow their coffers exponentially, expand the game into other areas and demographics in the name of free market competition and neglect those at the bottom of the Australian rules footy tree, women's footy and Tassie footy, which I'll get to in a sec, in some misguided sense that trickle-down economics will help those footy communities at the bottom? The AFL behaves like it's a corporation with shareholders desperate for an escalating profit, but it's not. It doesn't need to turn a profit and it's not a corporation. If anything, the fiscal discipline that comes from having shareholders that they are responsible to might actually stop them from making these ridiculous plays for new markets and instead consolidate and love what they've already got. The AFL have brought into this have bought into this neoliberal myth that economic growth will save us all. Growth, 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 growth. More, 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 more. Why on the earth does the AFL care about creating footy markets in China? Is the AFL suddenly trading coal or iron ore? Apart from ego, what is the point? And I don't presume to be an expert on the state of footy in Tasmania, but to see strong clubs like Burnie and Devonport in the position where they are failing to field teams in the Tasmanian State League and where the Tasmanian TAC program is a shadow of what is available on the mainland. And Tasmania is still not granted an AFL team of its own because the quote-unquote market is too small. Just seems to be a complete stuff-up of what should be the AFL's priorities. They have a football-loving state and they treat them mean to keep them keen. It's already a captive market, not a growth market, so why bother? To know that the AFL propped up the Gold Coast Sun sponsorship slump last year to the tune of $25 million with an additional $5.5 million on top of that should make AFLW fans and Tassie football fans feel ill. Even just the $700,000 a year it took the AFL to pay out Carmichael Hunt's contract is horrendous when you consider what that money could be used for to improve footy for communities that are actually already interested and committed to real Aussie rules football. Here are some suggestions for no cost. Number one, the lighting at Icon Park. <laughs> the age today says it would it would take tens of thousands of dollars to put up some interim proper lighting at the ground. Surely tens of thousands is but a drop in the ocean when compared to the 30 million the AFL can seem to spare to throw at the Gold Coast for a Queensland market that couldn't care less. It's incredibly difficult to see across that ground, as Sue Alberti will tell you, and it doesn't matter what impact the infamous memo has about increasing the free-flowing nature of the games if the crowd literally cannot see what is happening. Number two, stop using second grade and training umpires for AFLW. It's a bloody insult. This is the premier women's competition. It deserves the premier umpires. These current umpires can ply their trade in VFLM and VFLW and other state leagues, but not on the biggest stage for female footballers. It's a slap in the face, and think about the message this sends regarding what the AFL really thinks of women's footy. These are two relatively small and relatively cheap things, if we're playing with Gold Coast Monopoly money, that would drastically improve the audience's enjoyment of the game. Shove your memo in the shredder, keep the game as it is, and consolidate like you said you were going to do. I'm not saying the AFL needs to grind its marketing department to a halt. I'm well aware of the need to keep promoting the game to attract the best athletes to it, as well as making it an appealing option to children when picking sports to play. But if that was the priority, then we would be seeing a complete TAC program in Tasmania alongside a Tasmanian AFL team. If that was a priority, we wouldn't see AFLW being treated as a second-rate competition with second-tier umpires, poor lighting and patronising memos to change the rules of the game week to week. The AFL likes to pretend it's playing with the big boys of the corporate world, but they are not. You put on a sport that certain communities in Australia love. Now love those communities back. 
just lowbrow this week, was it? <laughs> yeah. That, those trickle down economics. <laughs> <laughs> so what? <laughs> what did you make of <laughs> AFLX, Meg? <laughs> hmm. I didn't get all that from the five minutes attention I paid to it. <laughs> I was admittedly I was quite excited to watch football. Male football? Male football. Mm. Oh, my God. Footy's back. No. <laughs> Scott Pendlebury. No. <laughs> oh, don't no. make that mistake twice there, Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, I was excited to turn it on on Friday night, only because there was not an AFLW match on, on Friday night, and I lasted – I saw the first game out, and I thought, this is glorified goal-kicking practice, and oh, my God, how boring is football when no one cares about the result? Mm. And when there's no actual contest for the ball. Oh, mm. no contest for the ball, no – I yeah. It was just the contrast between – the emotions, emotions, emotions of last week's <laughs> AFLW and what was on TV on Friday night was just stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't really into it. I was particularly disappointed to see some of my favourite photographers. <laughs> I love, I just love their work and then they're photographing AFLX. We get to the AFLW games. Anyway, sweet relief by the time Bulldogs Adelaide was on mm-hmm. the air under 24 hours later. So no, I wasn't into it. Well, you did better than me, Meg. I lasted the first half of the first game. <laughs> yeah. It's glorified training drill, isn't mm. it? Yeah. And that's fine. Play it at training. Like, don't make us watch it. What I most struggled with was the way the teams had been coached to speak about it. I just <laughs> I couldn't deal with it. Stop telling me how much fun it is. Stop telling me what a great warm-up it is for the season. So excited to get out there and have a crack. I, I know that's all part of the media training, what you've got to do as, as you know, part of your AFL contract, but I was just wanted to throw something at the television saying, you don't, be- you don't believe that? Mm. I, I don't go away. I loved it when they had some like players in the commentary box and the commentators are asking, so how much time and energy at, oh, at training yeah. have you put into AFLX? <laughs> um, so one of them replied with maybe 15 minutes and then they had to sort of say, on a per session, 15 minutes per session. <laughs> yeah, just no no contest. Uh-oh. Look, I've, I've heard that the feedback that the AFL has had is that it's like kids love it. The kids kids really enjoyed it. So th- they're obviously not targeting it to me. So mm. it was a bit of a pointless exercise for mine. Yeah. And I suppose the main takeaway for me, it was particularly hard to stomach, yes, when, when people are getting vocal about how this would be a great version of football for Women, it's just, no. I mean, it's so disappointing. Just let us play the real mm. game. So a lot of people have said the one that we grew up watching, you know, that's not, sure, have women play AFLX, but don't have it be, go. Oh. Do you think all the um, media exposure that that the infamous memo got has kind of opened the door for that yeah. criticism as yep, well? definitely. Because I think lots of people weren't really even engaged in that kind of criticism and then, you know, everything, the timing of it is so close together. AFLW's on, AFLX is on. Oh, well, you know, it doesn't take much creativity there to jam them both together. 
Oh, um, AFLW is quite congested at the moment. Oh, look how free-flowing and open AFLX is. Mm. Just, no. Mm. Sorry, I'm just struggling to be positive eyeballs. about it. I, uh, no, like, uh, I, I, I meant when I said in that I think if you played it socially, it would probably be quite fun. But that's different to making us all jump on the bandwagon of how fabulous and competitive this new game is and we're going to go for our teams and follow it and no thank you like my yeah. team wasn't in the first tournament <laughs> and I so therefore I didn't yeah. see them play because I just couldn't be bothered um I think it was um Shiloh on out of sanctum on Saturday she was talking about AFLX an observation she made and I I think she makes a really good point one of the beautiful things about footy is the different sizes and shapes that can play it mm. but AFLX just seems to be for one type of player yeah and how is that actually in the long term going to grow mm. the game. Yeah, right. I didn't I honestly didn't consider all that the growth. I mean my thinking about it was purely stop stomping all over AFLW. Mm. Full stop. Um AFLX as a thing in and of itself, I I can't honestly say I've given much thought to it. Mm. Other than I didn't enjoy watching it. Yeah. I think the other thing the other reason why I just can't even buy into the whole concept is that we're also going to get the JLT series. So you've got these like two little series of things of no consequence. And like the football season's long enough. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why they have to do both these formats except to make money or to, you know, what I was saying before about they're trying to sell it to a new new potential market. It's almost like it's too tiring to even speak about the disappointing things that came out of it. So when when Scott Pendlebury says who's excited for footy to come back or I did Hocking say that we've got AFL and now we've got two other formats mm. as if AFLW is a different format to AFL. Mm. So it's got boobs. So. It's got boobs. <laughs> it's uh, 3D. So I kind of, you know, you're struggling to find the energy to even say how damaging the language of mm. that is and, and people you know I, I sort of was looking at the replies to Scott Pendlebury's tweet when he said that and people are saying oh everyone's so you know we're hypersensitive but it's tr- like it, it matters yeah, it, it matters to people to um to say that you know footy hasn't you know that's return of footy is just oh it's so wrong anyway agreed hmm Anyway, let's talk about the real footy. <laughs> yeah. First game of the round on Saturday afternoon at Nord Oval. Oh, it was a pulsating game. Mm. Adelaide defeated the Western Bulldogs by seven points. Now, I wrote a little uh, round preview on Changeo Game, and uh, I think I wrote a line saying that, you know, the Crows welcome back. Erin Phillips this week, but she can't do it alone. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong. (laughs) She's just taking the piss now, isn't she? (laughs) Yeah, I honestly, I did not believe that one player could make that much difference. Me neither. And she just did. She did it. But even just looking across the ground, the confidence with which all the other players played. You know, I I think, you know, in the two weeks prior, Adelaide had looked pretty flat. Um, they hadn't looked dangerous at any point, and and then suddenly she's on the field, and everyone kind of perks up. And and sorry, that's not a perco pun, but um, 
Everyone does and, and, and start taking the game on. At one point in the first quarter, I think Jenna McCormick gathers the ball in the middle of the ground and then does this complete U-turn to run the other way. And it's this beautiful, skillful moment. And I just feel like I didn't see those moments in previous um, games where the players were really just taking it on, trusting their skills. I think they looked a bit too nervous. And, yeah, so, it, yes, she she played an amazing game, but I feel like it lifted everyone else around her. Do you think that's having her in the forward line so you, have a, you know the direction that everything's headed or do you think it's – you mean more morale, having your captain I think back? Probably having both. You? Probably both. Yeah. yeah. What did you think about Perko starting in the middle? I liked it. I liked it too. Mm. Got her hands on the footy. Yeah. I particularly like seeing her get the ball at about 60 metres out. Mm. And then she's just got such a beautiful kick, gets those deep entries, and um, Phillips does the rest. Uh, yeah. So in the middle, you know, I, I don't know how. Um, what sort of a long-term plan they have to, to to do that? But I thought it was great to get her hands on the ball more and um, really use her to get those to get the ball forward effectively. Mm. Yeah, she's smart. She's she's oh. agile. Like she she can win that footy, and I think it totally worked for them. But in that first quarter, you know, the Bulldogs hit the first two goals, and I think it was looking pretty rosy for them. You know. One of my favourite goal setups where Asta punts it in from 50 and then Carney runs onto it. That was the first one. But then, you know, a missed kick right at the end of the quarter brings Erin Phillips into the game and she kicks that goal. And then from then on, it just kind of slowly slid the other way. Um, and so Adelaide had the momentum for the rest of the game. I was surprised when they got in front. I thought it doesn't quite feel like they they should be on top yet. Mm. But, as yeah, just a gentle rise. Yeah. Last quarter, <laughs> scores a level. Katie Brennan gets the ball in her hands and then goes, grabs the ankle, goes to ground. Mm. And it looks like she's going to potentially miss the rest of the season. They're leaving the door ajar for her to come back for the end of the season. But that uh, troublesome ankle has got her again. But gee whiz, she was out and she mm. was about to win them that game. Oh, <laughs> she certainly was. Mm. Oh, once again, the disappointment that you feel on sort of – that you feel for her, mm. having seen up close what she um, went through last year, to be captain of the team and to not be out on the park, you know, she's an incredibly determined, she's got such strength of character and, and she she will do everything to get back out there by the end of the season if it's a possibility. Um, she did everything to rehab her ankle during the year. Uh, so, Yeah. Once again, left watching the television going, no, 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 no. Um, yeah. Um, a couple of other things, though. The commentary, even in the first quarter, I think at one point they said, the Bulldogs have three goals and Aaron Phillips has two. <laughs> instead, of, <laughs> instead of Adelaide. Instead of Adelaide. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so we shouldn't. Um, we should also mention Noffy had a great game. She, um, yeah. she 21 disposals. Yeah. 15 she, tackles. Yeah, she's Fifteen tackles, her beast. tackling machine's back. And also her, her kicking efficiency was much higher than last week's. She was able to use the ball better. And chance Chelsea Randall again. Chelsea Randall. But um, I was getting her confused with Hewitt to begin with because mm-hmm. Hewitt was on Katie when yeah. she was deep yeah. and she was doing a great job. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, Randall's just great. Randall's even just bending the rules. Did you notice a little little throw? Oh, uh. <laughs> What? You can't. We were sitting there watching going, you can't do that. 
Just a little throw around the point post, keep it in play. Oh, yes, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, that was a, that was a Speaking throw. of the umpires, come on. You can't do that. It was kind of cute. Like, and I almost thought she was doing it to just like, oh, they're going to, just cute. And then she got away with it. I know. Anyway. But someone who didn't get away with it was Dana Cox. Oh, uh, not on. We've spoken about Adelaide's uh, physicality and that they were renowned for it last year. Maybe even playing on the edge, you could call it. But I think maybe a step too far from Dana Cox. But you can't, you know, you're costing your team if if you're facing suspension. And she did two things in a row that were questionable. Open hand for the first one. But then to whack Emma Carney in the throat, undisciplined. And I can't imagine... That's what any of them want. No, and if I was an Adelaide fan, like she actually, apart from those instances, was kind of one of their better players. And her disposal efficiency is super high. And when she had the ball in her hand, she she does good things with it. So it's, you know, you're sabotaging yourself, I think, when that kind of stuff happens. And that's true. They've had someone suspended for that game, weren't they? Who was that? Oh, Foley. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Foley one week and then Cox the next. Not not ideal. No. I think positives for the Bulldogs, though. Speaking of disposal efficiency, I think the Bulldogs were down a little bit on their kicking efficiency, which we'd um, spoken so highly of in the previous weeks. And I actually think they were a little bit – they were slightly um, higher on their handballs than they had been in the previous weeks. So I'm sure they'll return to the ideas of the, the first couple of rounds. I think – you know, you might be forlorn if you're a Bulldog supporter because, you know, Izzy Huntington's out now, Katie's out possibly indefinitely um, for this season. But you, I feel like we're seeing some pretty bright sparks from other people. I think yeah. Monique Conti was semi-robbed not to get Rising Star. Oh. I, don't know who, she gets... I don't know who I'd take it from to give her Rising oh, Star. Definitely. But um, after at the end of that game, I was like, she's got it. She looked very poised. She had 15 disposals. Um, Once she... Inevitably, she'll get the nomination. Yeah. And she's put in three great performances already. Yeah. She's got to hit the scoreboard, but she's yeah. doing well. And she... She just... I don't know. She doesn't look. Is she eighteen? She doesn't look eighteen. She she looks very poised when she's got the ball. She doesn't rush it. Um, even in those um, that dying part of the game, she still looked pretty good. I'm loving. Bo- yeah. Brooke, oh, Brooke, Brooke, Jigs. Jigs. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually ran into Brooke. I ran into Brooke just before round one. So today we share a local cafe. Um, and I was asking. Oh yeah, no, I've seen her there. Have you? Yeah, I was with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I saw her there again. <laughs> Beautiful person, Brooke. And I was asking her how she was going and she said, oh, look, they've moved me to half forward and I'm really loving it. Mm. And three rounds in, she's looking great. Yeah. Um, so the way she can – I mean, a left footer when she sort of wheels around onto it. Yeah. Kicking seems to have really improved. She's going well. And I think I really like Utri, someone who I didn't Oh, she know is a jet, about. isn't she? Yeah. Those goal, that goal this week, and she kicked one last week, didn't she? Yes, yeah. uh, yes, she did kick one last week. Yep, yeah. up in Brizzy. She, I actually met her on the weekend, and she, I think it was Bailey Hunt introduced me, and she said, "Oh, um, so sweet." Ash was a huge Bulldogs fan last year, and had already signed up, paid her membership, and everything, and then got picked up by them. So oh, I love oh. it when you're playing for your club. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. She's doing really well. Um, Ferris as well. Ferris does some yeah, great yeah. things. Um, so, I, you know, the other other players are definitely lifting. I feel like Emma Carney this year has taken her game up another notch. I think she was the best player for the Bulldogs again this week. Her use of the ball is a lot better, lowering her eyes. That goal, you know, she's 
reads the She's play. very smart. Yeah. I asked her about the goal and she was saying that, you know, sees Asta. Mm-hmm. You know what's going to happen, when, you know, when Asta gets the ball at 50 metres out, makes a run for it, yeah. bang. And, I mean, there's upside. So, Deanna Berry hasn't done a whole lot just mm. yet. Ellie Blackburn did some – oh, she did an amazing sort of – turn, lowers the eyes, hit someone at 30 metres out, but she didn't dominate that game. So, yes, they'll, I mean, they faced issues trying to cover Katie last year, but there's there's plenty of talent there. Yeah, definitely. Going back to Erin Phillips, look, you just can't, there aren't enough words really to talk about her, but we know wh- how you feel about her, Julia, oh. so. Listeners, <laughs> podcasters tease me about Erin Phillips, but it's purely platonic. But there's um in the fourth quarter, you know, Phillips snapped this goal snaps this goal from the pocket. But if you watch kind of the preceding ten seconds, the ball f- is fumbled by so many players, and then she just runs. No, not by Aaron. She r- swoops in from out of shot, picks it up, and then running kind of full steam ahead in the wrong direction, snaps this goal. Like she just looks like she's from a different planet. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, we've spoken in previous weeks about the difference being clean with your hands below your knees or even below the ground, <laughs> um, the difference that makes. And I would put Perko in that category too. You know, she did some great oh, – she's very clean with her hands. The way they're able to get the, that ball out to someone who's facing goal really helped them. So, Adelaide, they're back. You know, they're back in it. Oh. Yeah, they're back in it. It's a yeah. totally open field. And on Saturday night, we were back at Icon Park, Brisbane defeated Carlton by 22 points in the end. Now, I have a question. Did the way that Carlton set up allow Kate Lutkins to have the game of her life? <laughs> I think it was both the setup and the skill execution. I think Carlton's skills were not great that night because they were trying to play this zone um, pick out targets between two or three Brisbane players and then which with a, you know, a perfect kick would have made it, but there weren't many perfect kicks. But, yeah, she definitely had the game of her life. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I looked at the – we were sitting together and looking down at the first bounce, Cashy was free in their defence. So um, I think they both had – one free. I think in the third quarter or so, the umpires started to call it and say you need to set up with wings. But the just yeah, Carlton bound by Bree, it would seem, and without her, no good. Unbelievable. Um, um, so the disposal efficiency was down to fifty percent, and mm. we were sitting there just going, "Oh gosh, mm. hit a target, please." And I think seeing that was you know the only game I got to over the weekend, and seeing it kind of. In the flesh, I think it almost looked worse because the way that they were setting up, they just never seemed to get many players to contests or um, they were kicking it straight into three Brisbane players. Um, yeah, and they and you know they had the lowest disposal efficiency of the round, and and Brisbane had the highest, and so you can't you can't win a game like that. Well, it's um, interesting. To, I'm not sure what plays into what. There's so much made about their tactics and their setup, but part of me just thinks. They're just not playing very well. Mm. So it's, you know, they're not getting enough width from the contest. They're trying to – they're throwing the ball in the boot. Mm. They're hurried. They're sort of overuse in the middle and then the forwards get caught not really knowing when to lead up. They're getting sucked in but then Mm. they're not deep enough. Yeah. And they're – I don't think they're in they're in form at the moment. No, and and you see them finally. You know, this happened a couple of times. They'd finally kind of break out of defence. They'd finally have a, some quick ball movement forward, but because of the way they set up, you know, their their forwards aren't in the forward line. 
you know, their forwards are suddenly rushing yeah, back. Yeah, the and team defence, yes. Yeah, it just doesn't kind of work. And they and Brisbane had 130 uncontested possessions to 74. You know, that's a lot of easy ball <laughs> yes. that you're letting the opposition have. And so Carlton players just look stuffed. Like, they just look like they were chasing tail the, the whole game. Yeah, they're. Tr- I mean, they're trying to affect the switch. Carl- I mean, Icon Park is a really fat ground. So if you're going to go the long way around mm. and not use the corridor, uh, it's going to be really hard to get it inside 50. Brisbane had 34 inside 50s, 10 more than Carlton. Mm. And... I, you know, I struggle because I, I want it to get in there and mm. I want that ball in the hands of their forwards because the competition's, lots of feelings on it, but the competition's getting robbed mm. of uh, one of the top players in it because it's just not getting down to full forward. Mm. I can't, yeah. Well, on Saturday we saw Adelaide play Perko in the middle. Mm. Do you think Carlton should try that with Darcy Bessio? I've heard that called for by a few people. I I heard it called for by a person called Meg sitting next to me at the game. <laughs> Quite a few times. <laughs> Get her in the middle. <laughs> oh, midfield, half back, maybe. You know, I want to see her at full forward. I do. But I would like the ball to get there more often. So if it's not there, mm. yeah, she's know, not look, being used. look what happens when Darcy touches the ball. Mm. You know, yeah. her first goal comes from she contests aerially, keeps her feet, throws it on the left and they mm-hmm. – Ords does the crumb. I think there was another, you know, she kicks the goal herself. Yeah. I, yeah, it's just, to me, it's it's a bit of a waste. Yeah, you're keeping an excellent ball user out of, the, out of the contest. And look, another excellent ball user that hasn't been put on the park is Lauren Arnell. And look, watching that game um, on Saturday night, I just was quite frustrated as a Carlton supporter knowing that Lauren is sitting somewhere in the stadium watching and there were – I just thought that there were basic errors wrong, you know, in the way that they were setting up. You know, the, if you watch the footage of the Jess Wushner goal where she um, – uh, is is taking a, a set shot from the pocket mm. and Alison Downey's on the mark, but there is no other Carlton player, um, you know, standing around to try and stop her from coming in to correct the angle. And yeah. I just think, well, you know, you don't have Brie Davy out there and another very experienced person who, if she was on the ground, would have been shouting to or doing it herself of getting players there to, to make it as hard as possible to keep that for Jess Wilson to get that goal. You know, she might get it anyway, but that's your job. You're making it as hard as possible. So, you know, look, Lauren is an a incredibly smart and talented footballer um, and the fact that she's not getting picked up, you know, I'm not aware of what the internal conversations at Carlton are, but I, I do feel like they're, they're giving a lot of time to some young players and that's fine, you need to do that. But if your tactic during trade season was, well, we're going to give away all our early draft picks to get get Nick Stevens and we're going to get Taylor Harris, that spoke to the fact that they felt like their premiership window was now. And so then at the same time to be giving spots to young players that you're trying to get games into, I don't know if that kind of makes cohesive sense and leave Lauren Arnell out. Yeah, I th- the game was just screaming for her. Mm. a direction about when to leave, when when to oh, lead, yeah. when to reset, a little bit of composure. Just – and, you know, to because – ball using and kicking inefficiency was so clearly the issue to mm. then to lose Georgia G early on and Braz. Mm. She two two of their best users by foot I would say. It, it clearly cost them. And they looked you know, their forwards looked they looked tired. Yeah. As a team they looked tired. I thought they were most effective when 
they looked to use the cold run. Now, that's stating the obvious, but mm. I think the best passage of play, it might have been Shay Audley hits someone straight up the middle, gets it over to Alison Downey, and I think then to one of the Hoscos gets gets it in quickly and they score a goal. You've just eventually you've got to look in board if you're gonna if you're gonna score and you've got to get the ball in flatter. They are they're bombing oh, the ball yeah. forwards. <laughs> and how do you how do you expect any of their forwards to compete mm. in a two on one? You've got to get them one out. Um so I think I think it was uh, Sarah Hosking on one, maybe Jess Hosking on another, got the ball in low, fat, flat, quickly. I think Taylor Harris did one and that's that's when they managed to score. So they can play an aggressive brand of football, but you got to back yourself in. Yeah, I think we're talking like Carlton lost that game, but it's not fair because Brisbane won it. Yeah. Oh, definitely, um, and yeah. watching, you know, the, it was a very kind of, uh, you know, the first two quarters weren't particularly, weren't high, the, there was only what one goal scored or something, but yeah, it was but, actually just before halftime. Yeah, Cashy. but Brisbane just seemed to kind of absorb all that pressure, and in the second half were able to totally run over the top of Carlton. It's like they totally worked them out. Their ball use was so much better, you know. And they they're not a one trick pony, no. Brisbane. They've they've got a lot of options going around. You know, Sabrina Friedrich Traub didn't have a, uh, um, you know, she had a quieter game, but that didn't seem to matter. They still kick six goals. They've still got other avenues to go goal. Emily Bates just continues to be super consistent every week. You know, she got twenty disposals, six tackles, con- ten contested possessions. Lutkins, as you said, Stanton, Ali Anderson, like they were all just standing up and. And they've got so many options around the ground. And then, you know, the, the players that they've brought in, like that Nat X on goal, yeah, you know, went, was superb. And when she got that, um, you know, got that quick position, you know, gathered the ball and then that quick goal, I just thought, well, shove them right up them, you know. Like, yeah. you want to trade me away? This is what you're going to get on your home turf. It just and, – and as a Carlton supporter, you're watching her get that goal going, oh, it would have been good to have you in, in our jumper. Yeah. <laughs> I think Brisbane, you know, we've spoken about it with with Melbourne, but they play to their strengths. They know to get the ball on the outside because they know that um, Kate McCarthy, Cashy, they're just gonna they're gonna burn people. Mm. And you say Sabs had a quieter game, but sh- I think on definitely on two of their goal, Gibson's goal and on one of Conway's, she. You know, she's pulling oh, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. zone that Carlton are playing. She's yeah. leading up, and three people are following her. No, yeah. no, no. You're, no, you're exactly right. I, I don't mean to say she oh, no, didn't. No, no, she didn't, didn't have a bad game. I just mean she didn't have to. She didn't have to win it off her own back. No, is what huge, I'm no. Yeah, she played a huge like role in it. She's the focal point, but then mm. they have a spread of five goal kickers. Yeah, that can bob up and reliably kick goals. Like Wushner is yeah. an amazing set shot for goal. Mm. Like, and and she. Kicked it to Cashy. I think she was the yeah. one who, yeah, who she set, set Cashy that up. up. Too. Yep. Just yep. a great, you know, she's very composed inside 50. Yeah, and the two goals were, um, from Sophie Conway were kind of a delight. And that last one that she snaps, mm. you know, that is a great goal from her. But if you kind of look at it in stop motion, it also speaks to how dysfunctional Carlton were that night because the ball lands in her hands and they're all stationary, you know. The, the, and they look kind of stuffed and don't know what's going on and she just kind of rocks back and kicks that snap. So she she won the Rising Star for the for the round and she did have a great game. Yeah, it looks like they just sat off them too much. Yeah. You know, you've got to you can play a zone, but um you've got to know who you're accountable for mm. when when they start leading. Yeah. Sorry, I'll cut you off. Oh, no, I was just going to say I think um I can't remember 
100%, but I'm pretty sure Conway's first set shot goal, I think, may have just been after Darcy had kicked hers. Mm. And just, I mean, it was a great mark. She just kind of outbodied Hardiman, but. Which is not easy not to easy do. Hardiman's one of the best defenders in the comp. Exactly. But just the composure on that set shot, and just, I'm just dazzled by these young girls. That yeah, are she's coming a serious in. talent. Yeah. Yeah, so. And, and that's one of the ones I'm speaking about where Hardiman was sort of caught between do I go forwards because Sabs is right in front of me Oh no, out the back, Conway's there. So, so good from Brisbane. Carlton just seems to be transferring the pressure between themselves and the midfield. They need to, to get the ball out wide a little bit more, mm. get it on the boot, you know. You've got to back your forwards in a one-on-one. So, kick it. Get it in there. Yeah, but your forwards have to be in the forward line. Yes. And... You would argue that it's easier to get back to the forward line if you're a little bit fresher. <laughs> yeah. And you, you know. Well, and you're not forced to go up the ground and play this team defence. I don't know. I Just seeing it live, you know, seeing the whole ground, seeing it live, I just, there were so many times where it came undone. And so I can understand that if you execute it perfectly, it works. But when you don't, it, it makes it hard work for your team. Yeah, it looks inefficient, yeah. I think. You know, trying to get it into the forward line with six possessions. Mm-hmm. Three will do, <laughs> you know. Yeah, get it in there. So on Sunday at the Holden Centre, GWS defeated Collingwood by thirteen points. Their first win in Melbourne. But well, I just want to say, Courtney Gum, oh. more like Courtney Gun. <laughs> oh jeez! Wow, wow. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. I've been sitting on that. Thanks, for Dad. Three days, fifteen disposals, five tackles, five marks, two goals, and a hundred percent on the ground. Was she? Yeah. Again. I just want to say, you have your short-haired defenders. <laughs> I've got my short-haired midfielders. <laughs> Honestly. I would put it out to the whole competition. Apparently, playing without having to tie your hair up is the way to go. Exy's making it ha- making it work. You should try it. Oh, <laughs> maybe. Mm-hmm. But look, Alicia Eva returns home. The prodigal daughter. No. Um. Yeah, but Alicia Eva returned back to you know Collingwood Heartland and just a lazy twenty-three disposals. If you don't mind. She looked, yeah, she looked pretty good. Yeah, pretty happy to be there. Um, look, it was a great game. It was actually yeah, a great, great game, and really only in the last quarter did it. Um, did did GWS kind of put it away? Phoebe McWilliams. Oh, yeah, Phoebe. Phoebe. You know, she just what a game. Yeah, what a game, and what three games. You know, yeah. she's she's looking so good out there, kicking some great goals. That mark and the goal great. in the last quarter is just a. Beautiful, beautiful for your highlight reel. Mm. But you know, at the beginning of the game, it looks kind of a bit different. You know, Brittany Benici take, um, you know, gathers down the wing. She does that weird bounce, miss bounce to herself, and then has to gather and then like just check sides, check sides it or banana yeah, check or something. Sides it. Yep. Um, and kicks that great goal. Brittany Benici is my favourite kind of old world, new world name. But um, she. <laughs> You know, from then you're like, Collingwood, they're, they're going to get this. And Kyochi? <laughs> Kyochi, yeah. oh. that was a great goal as yeah, well. Yeah, Kyochi's goal. Super goal. Yeah, that was that was a super goal. And really, remind, it's of the Katie Brennan goal in the first round of that. Yes. You know, she, almost from the same position, that Captain. huge snap in. I and thought, Collingwood were looking on. But then GWS, they didn't let them get away and just chipped away. I thought there was a, it was a particularly telling 
passage of play very, very early on. Meg Hutchins gets the ball mm. um, at about half back, somewhere between that and the wing, and, and beautiful kick forwards, which we were saying is her strength. And Mo takes a cracking mark. At that point, when Mo had marked the ball, I was like, I hope everyone listens to our podcast. Yeah, we, we are, are geniuses. geniuses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great, pen- you know, a penetrative kick. Great, Mark. Mo looked a little nervous. Just I think she shanked her first two yeah. kicks. Boom. But it's, of course she'd be nervous. Oh, mm. Jesus. I mean, there's so much commentary about oh, her and, yeah. you know, the degree to which she has, I mean, there's debate about whether she's put herself in that position. Irregardless of that, it's in, it, it would be incredibly hard to perform mm. under the pressure of the media speculation that she's receiving and she is so good. She's so skillful. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, that little banana goal dribble yeah that dribble you know she she looks like she barely kicks it like when when she gathered the ball and did the kick i was like oh she hasn't made much contact and then it dribbles through and i'm like i know nothing yeah um (laughs) (laughs) you know she that's that's her shot you know she's so good at doing them yeah um you know and she kicks two goals for the game we did see players return to maybe their more traditional positions on the ground so once again you are welcome. Yes, yeah, for and, listening. And Collingwood did look a lot better, but they still oh, couldn't they, get yeah, the job they done. But did. I think it's not. I just think GWS are actually quite a good side. I agree. Yeah, and um, and they're a lot more even around the ground this year. You know, Amy Schmidt kicked two goals. Um, we've already talked about Phoebe McWilliams, but on Phoebe, that a lot's been made of um, how much confidence Alan McConnell's try to instill in the team, mm. um, and have them believe that they're good enough. You know, to to compete with all these with the Melbourne clubs. In short, yeah. I think is what they were saying, and she she just seems the perfect example of that. Yeah. She's really stepping up, clunking some big marks, and and going back and delivering. So good job on the old morale. Mm, yeah. Another match that featured maybe an ugly incident. Um, we saw Sophie Casey um, raise her elbow and Cora Staunton's nose splatter all the way across her face. Not a great look. I think she's probably lucky to get away with to get away with one game because you know she left the ground, she raised her elbow, and poor old Cora looked like Voldemort for the rest of the mm. game. Yeah, nose is back in Ireland. But um, <laughs> I, th- I feel like we're seeing some weird – if we were on a different podcast, we'd talk about Omer Watch. But I think that <laughs> there are some weird little pairs popping up per round. So, you know, in the second round we had the two ACLs. And now this round we've had two players that are, were suspended that were also suspended last year. Cox and Casey. Cox and Casey. So I don't know what the pair will be from last year. Uh, for for I don't know what the pair will be for next week. And right now they don't seem to be very positive pairs. But <laughs> maybe next week we'll see two bags of six goals. Yeah, I was going to say two big bags. Um, Chloe Malloy once again, just mm-hmm. doing her thing. She started forward this week. I mean, what a weapon to have to put mm. either forward or or put her back behind the ball as they did later on in the game. So she's absorbing. The attention, I'm sure teams are putting some work into her and uh, she continues to, you know, I want to say change the game for them. She hasn't quite won it off her own boot yet, but she's well, doing what she can. I think so, Chloe Malloy, she is actually, she is a player that is genuinely versatile. Mm. Yes. Like she is damaging back mm. and she is damaging forward. Mm. And there are a few players like that in the competition. Darcy is one. Bianca Jacobson is probably Certainly, one. Yeah. So if you do have a player like that, yes, it's a weapon. 
but I still don't think that means you have to make everyone versatile. No. I think it's okay for a player to be strong in a particular part of the ground. Mm. Yeah, certainly. I But I certainly appreciate their will, the coaching staff's willingness to be versatile with her. Instead. Oh, with, yeah. with Chloe, absolutely. Yeah. But I'm just meaning more oh, no, I agree with you. other players that are, they're forcing to have, you know, more strings to their bow. Mm. So, unfortunately, as it stands, Collingwood are now the only team not to get a win on the board. They were in a similar situation last year and managed to turn it around. And it would seem, with the unpredictability of this season and how now everyone has a loss, that they're, they're not in it. They're not out of it. No, they're not out yet. of it. No, they're definitely not. Everything's totally opened up. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoil- by the following result. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And that brings us to the last game of the round. Frio v Melbourne over in Perth. Frio got up by five points. Mm-hmm. Now, good on him. Might have had something to do with Melbourne kicking 1-5 in the first quarter because mm. bad kicking is bad football, but... Frio, you got to hand it to them. They played a brilliant game. They did. They kicked six goals straight. Exactly. And that's all you got to do. They <laughs> <laughs> Easy enough. But Frio, look, they look like a different team to the team we saw round one. Yeah. Their intent was better. Their evenness across the ground was better. You know, my new favourite player, Gooch, was up yeah. there with Gooch. 15 disposables. And my second fa- new favourite player, Lisa Webb, 17. Mm. Like they, I don't know, they look they look like a different team. Having said that, the first quarter, Melbourne dominated. Melbourne dominated possession. Yeah. They have six sh- sh- shots at goal. But I kind of, I don't know, there was this part of me that was looking at them going, I know you're having a week away, but you haven't won it yet. They just look, kind of looked a bit too relaxed. I don't know if that was my anxiety or something <laughs> watching them. But they looked too relaxed like they were going to just have as many shots at goal that day as as they wanted and it didn't matter that they were not getting them because then finally when Freo got it together look what happened so I went to the stats on this one Freo had 10 less inside 50s but had a whopping 75% goal accuracy mm. um, to only 31% for Melbourne yeah. so that's how you win what's goal accuracy I think it's when you have a shot on goal do they go through the two big ones in the middle? But they got six straight goals. So how's it only seventy-five percent? Out on the full. Out on the full. Ah, oh, I don't I know. See. I okay. don't know. Don't question the stats. Oh, sorry. But isn't also just... goal accuracy the scoreboard? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my, my, my. Do you know, I thought that was a very interesting stat to, no, to, to pull out. But it is, but I don't understand what it means. Okay, understand this one for me. Melbourne won hit outs 35 to 18, but lost clearances 25 to 11. With Juddy. what we've all been saying is the best midfield in the comp. Juddy, Jet, Antonio, Jet. And Tegan Cunningham was getting dangerous and they put Antonio on it. And, oh, sorry, debut time. Frio have found a player. Yeah, they oh, have. In Emily Maguire. She was exciting to watch. Magic. Oh, that that one hand pick up. Oh my god. Yeah. We're all about it. Actually, we've just come from a training session. All I've done for two hours is single one hand pick up. <laughs> no, she looked great. Very exciting. Game changer. And, and you know, Al, you spoke about how you've felt like, you know, Western Australian footy was very strong and there were gonna be players that came through and, and look at that. And she just looked – the interview at the end of the game is just sweet. Like, looks yeah. like she's having the time of her life and taking the opportunity. Very instinctive oh, player. Yeah. yeah. And got and has the skills to back it up. So, it would seem tough day at the office for the Melbourne midfield as a whole, but Daisy just continues to perform week in, week out. Yeah, and I just think that she's had three really great games, so much so that I then went back and looked at her kind of overall stats for the season. And I don't want to moz her, but right now – 
she's number one for disposals. She's number two for contested possessions, five for tackles, and three for inside 50s. Like, if that's not the mark of a leader and who you want in your team, I don't know what is. And the fact that kind of often the commentators make it sound like she's not doing enough. I'm like, what else does this woman have to do? Mm. You know, the comparison between, you know, her and and Erin Phillips sometimes, like who's the best player in the competition? I'm like, it's not. They're completely different players. Um, So the comparison I just don't think is, I don't know, it just doesn't work. Yes, and to suggest that she doesn't like con. The contest I or doesn't like contact was, is ridiculous. I was ridiculous. going to ask this because in the commentary, yes, it so was pointed out that, that Daisy doesn't like physicality. Now I haven't, I haven't watched Daisy up close for as long as you have, JC. But I have never seen a, a single player cop more treatment oh. on a footy field. And just keep getting up. Not at all. And and you know what? And I think that's why people think she doesn't like contact because she never, she always stands up afterwards. Like it looks like, I think she makes it look like no one's ever got near her. But that's not true. They're grinding her into the ground. But she still stands up afterwards. Oh, she gets a free kick. Yes, That's because you whacked her. (laughs) You know what I mean? I've actually, I think she's graduated to not even needing to deal with the contact because Mm. that don't argue that she's developed is something else. She's, I don't know. um. Look, she had a miraculous game, but I don't think it was, well, not that I don't think, it wasn't enough to to get Melbourne over the line. And Frio just looked cleaner. Yeah. They just looked cleaner all day. And and Melbourne were just kind of, I don't know, not overusing it, but just not, you know, they kicked 4-7. And we were speaking, we've spoken in previous weeks about how they've found some serious players for that forward line, Mm. but not a whole lot of experience within those players. A lot of them are cross-coders. And you wonder how much that comes into it when when you're being so inefficient in front of goal. Yeah, and I think it does. You know, that the last 10 minutes of the game when the game's there to be won, you know, and having players out there that know how to close out the game of footy, that'll come. But, um, yeah, Afria just did it. They, they were able to do it. And, and, and it was great. I think it's 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 fabulous that, that Freo have um, started this season two and one. Um, they had that great win at Perth Stadium. And now this one, you know, knocked off the, the um, premiership favourites. It's just such a wide open season. It's, you know, I think I texted the both of you afterwards, just after that result and just said, it's good for footy. Oh, you definitely. Know? Well, it was the, I wonder if everyone listened to the podcast, and I mean everyone listened to the <laughs> podcast last week and heard me just say Melbourne was the greatest thing ever mm. and that why would you want to live elsewhere and then not a single Melbourne team won. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Beautiful. The footy gods again. You upset. Mm. You upset her. Well, I her. <laughs> <laughs> Good out. Yeah. Uh, you, you well, know, I think any team that's got got a trip to Perth ahead of them in the next four weeks is thinking, oh, challenge. Yeah, yeah. That was round three, but now it's time for Meg's. Would you rather? Yeah, it is. Whoa. <laughs> I didn't ask for that this week, but thank you. Uh, so um, I'm going to open today by saying that there are two questions that, that may appear obvious. <laughs> Would you rather AFLX or AFLW? Ridiculous question. Yeah. No contest. No contest. I actually didn't even want to validate the comparison mm. by putting it in there. So yeah, yeah. go away. Second one, would you rather Emily Maguire or Eddie Maguire? <laughs> <laughs> Again, no contest. Yes. So we're going to move on. All right. First question, would you rather week four of would you rather? Would you rather Aaron Phillips carrying a right quad issue 
<laughs> or any other player in the competition at full fitness. <laughs> Go. <laughs> mm. Oh, that's a really tough one. <laughs> well, hearing the way that her injury was spoken about this week, I think maybe she was carrying the same quad issue last year. So maybe this is just her. I honestly refuse to believe a quad her quad can be that bad if she can kick the ball the way she did on the weekend. Well, maybe she can actually kick the ball 80 metres and we've maybe. just never seen it. You know, I, I knew the question was coming up when we covered this topic earlier. I guess you two didn't. But I, you know, I would I would still think that there are certainly players in there that are as effective. I, I would take a fully fit Daisy. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, and there are Aaron. others that are doing very well as well. Yeah. But the point is, I mean, would you take Aaron Phillips with quad issue this year? or Aaron Phillips without one last year, there doesn't seem to be much of a difference. No. Mm. Answered my own question mostly there. Anyway, so it's still Winter Olympics time. Brooke Lachlan, we've spoken about her this episode and how well she's doing. Yes. Um, So Brooke started footy after missing selection for Sochi, Winter Olympics, Mm -hmm. as a speed skater. Mm -hmm. But she's doing so well this year that she's probably looking at potentially All-Australian for honour. Half forward flank. Maybe not. Maybe that's a big call. Up up the brook. In any case, would you rather selection to the Winter Olympics or selection to the All-Australian team AFLW? Well, as I've said privately, I do think the Winter Olympics is just kind of play sport for rich kids. No, look, that's that's not very nice. You did send me the um, gold medal winning dance of the two figure skaters from Canada and it did make me cry and have goosebumps at the same time. So I, I respect that it is real sport. But no, AFLW, mate. Yeah, I'm of with course. you. Yeah, all, all Australian. Yeah, the footy. Okay, question number three. Continuing with goal of the year line of questioning, I figure that if we just do – we put two goals against each other week in, week out, we'll eventually arrive at the obvious <laughs> winner. So yep. we saw some fan, a fantastic goal by Britt Benici. So she, A, gets front and centre. Miss the bounce, the bounce doesn't really work for her, but it works for the spectacle of the goal because she gathers, turns down inside out, checks side from 50. Would you rather Alicia Newman's goal last week, Brick Benici's goal this week? Go. Oh, I thought you were going to compare it to Aaron Phillips's goal. So I'm going to go Newman. You think Aaron Phillips better? No, no, no. I'm going to go Newman over Benici. I know, but would you have preferred Aaron Phillips's goal to be in there? Oh, no, I would have easily gone Benici over. Aaron. Okay. But you're going Newman still? Yes. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) Just to be really confusing. I'm still going Newman. Absolutely. Absolutely is a big word, but I disagree with both of you. (laughs) You'd go Newman. Because I appreciate that it's an excellent goal, but the stuff up bounce forces her to do that last little bit, which is what makes it spectacular. But I'm like, but it's still a stuff up bounce. Not to compare women's footy to men's, but Buddy did Buddy Franklin win goal of the year and he stuffed up a bounce and he's run, run along the win, wing? Yeah, but he runs like from yeah, half okay. cack. He's Buddy. I just, you know what? As I said, I was with Alicia Newman's goal until she told me that it wasn't a deliberate check side. <laughs> Britt Benici, oh, very deliberate check side. Oh, she knew exactly okay. what she was doing. That actually weighs now into my decision-making. I think I'm still going Newman. I like the weird trick of the eyes. Okay, well, it's 2-1 Newman. So when we get a great goal next week, it'll be once again against Alicia Newman's goal. Okay, final would you rather. Thank you for the inspiration for this one, Alison Smirnoff. Would you rather GWS's over 30-year-olds or the Western Bulldogs 20 and under-year-olds? So (laughs) mature-age giants or the young pups. While you think on it, I'm going to give you the players who are over 30 slash 20 or under. GWS, Hetherington, McWilliams, Gum, Staunton, Ferruja. V, Bulldogs, 
Berry, Conti, Huntington, Ferris, Birch, Bannister, Utri, and Too Good. GWS. And that's for this year. Just to clarify, for this year. Obviously, you take talent for the future. Rah, rah, rah. Uh, yeah. I think GWS. I just can't rate McWilliams and Gum Harley enough at this stage, I don't think. Gum, I cannot. Gum is just. Mm, she's out of this world. She's doing everything. Yeah. Left foot, right foot, goals. The goals. Mm. Let that last quarter, her intercept marks. Insane. And I also think, like, Cora Staunton, for someone that is just learning the game, her impact when she gets the ball in her hands is remarkable. And to think what she could do, you know, what she can do once she's... With a round ball. (laughs) No, no, no. I I mean, you know, there's a couple of times where she's kind of got caught with the ball and so on, and I think that's just unfamiliarity with the game. And But she looks so exciting. So you've both gone with GWS. But I think the, the reason I loved you putting the question like that was that it's such a great comparison. I mean, the Dogs girls, they've found some serious talent oh, there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's not just Huntington and Conti who were always going to go high in the draft, but they're young rookies. Mm. So Ferris, Utri's just mm. – is it Utri yeah. or Utri? Um, she's doing some ex- – she's so clean. So here and now, GWS. Yeah. But – Bulldogs have set themselves up oh, for years totally. to come. Yeah. Hang on to them. Yeah. Um, that concludes Would You Rather for this week. Once again, please send some suggestions through. Okay, this Friday night at Witten Oval, the Western Bulldogs and Carlton will be playing in the AFLW's first ever Pride Round. They were showing off their fabulous rainbow guernseys during the week. Are you looking forward to the game, Julia? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is this the game I've been waiting for my entire life? Possibly. (laughs) (laughs) Look, yesterday when I saw the lovely Darcy modelling the uh, Carlton jumper with the kind of rainbow shadow of the monogram, I just thought, wow, imagine if I'd seen that as a 12-year-old. Yeah, I'm excited. It's it's a shame that we're not going to see, you know, we're not going to see Taylor Harris or Katie Brennan out there this week. Taylor's been suspended. Katie, of course... You know, we spoke about her ankle, you know, no Bree Davey, no Izzy Huntington. But these two teams are both two and one. They're both coming off losses. It's a Friday night. It's Pride Round. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a great night. I hope the weather holds out and yeah. Oh, is that a concern? No, sorry. I hope the weather's nice. That's <laughs> what I mean. You hope there's a slight sun shower so that we see some rainbows. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So you're both longtime Carlton fans. Yes. Both guilty love as charged. equality. Yes. <laughs> I, I prefer superiority, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> now, obviously, there was a little bit of a hiccup on Carlton's. <laughs> a wee bit. A wee bit of a hiccup. So their statement around the, the time of marriage equality disappointed a, a lot of people, and they have now been put in this – well, I don't know how it came to be, but they are now in the Pride match. How do you Carlton supporters feel about it? I – just have an issue with the club not addressing what happened during the plebiscite. And the quote from the new CEO, Kane Little, was, I've only been in the role for three months. And while I can't comment on previous actions, what we can acknowledge is how important this game is to our people. And I agree, this game is is very, very important. But I think you also can't overlook the damage and the hurt that that incident caused. And you can't just gloss over it and say, here's a pride game and a rainbow guernsey you actually have to address what has gone before and that's not it's not just 
what happened with that incident. It's to do with gender equality. It's to do with lots of things. And, you, you know, this club is um, has been a very, very big part of my life, but it has actually left me brokenhearted <laughs> on more than one occasion. And I, I just I just think you can't just stick a flag in the ground and say from this moment on we're this kind of organisation. You have to go back and address what's happened before. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think, yeah, look, there's some shocking things in Carlton's past and I think I, yeah, it's hard to forget them. But um, the significance that the game holds for the AFLW team yeah, is and I, enormous. Is enormous and I think that's it, – it's a funny thing. I, I think that there's – I totally see the AFLW team as – I know they're part of Carlton but I kind of see them as separate and I look at – I look at that kind of across the board, you know, and, and we know lots of people who – go for a particular AFLW team and don't go for the same AFL men's team. But that's by the by. Look, I feel like these beautiful AFLW players are wrenching Carlton back from whatever prehistoric brink they want to take themselves to into the world I want to live in. Um, That's very well said. (laughs) And I just want them to have as many opportunities to do that as possible. And they might have to do it with the old heads at Carlton kicking and screaming. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, But that's where education and progress has to be made, right? Yeah. With no, that's the people right. that have done wrong. Yeah. Don't and, see it already. No. And I think and, – and this goes for all clubs. I think when you bring AFL players into your club that are um, so – fresh in the football world and so bring such they're progressive they're, they are progressive and 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 when the clubs themselves say these ridiculous things like you know Jeff Kennett the other week saying that he's glad that Hawthorne doesn't have an AFLW team in because he he um because of the injuries because of the injuries like I just think that those types of statements bring about the club's own extinction in a way and you've got to hope like hell that a beautiful AFLW team is going to come along and, and, and straighten you out. I don't really know what I'm trying to say. It's very emotional. <laughs> um, yeah, But I, I totally appreciate I'm, what, Yeah, I'm equally emotional. Yeah. Like I, I get really quite riled mm. up about this club and yeah, what and it means could, to me. Yeah, the I'm sure the women's team and the beautiful people that you, as as you've said, are in it, had a very hard time when their club made that statement. Hmm. And so it almost feels like I'm so happy that they are the ones that that now get to play in this in this game. Yeah, it's not that they're more deserving than in, than any other AFLW team, but um, I think for them to be able to express themselves. Um, on this night will be will be huge. Mm. And I just think that this – so it, it was five months exactly I looked at this between the statement coming out and that press, press conference with Darcy and Emma Carney where they wear the jumpers. And I just thought, you know, what a difference five months makes. And, and when that statement came out, like the plebiscite was still rolling. We hadn't had the vote announcement. We hadn't had it being passed in government it, through the parliament. And, and God, doesn't it look – doesn't it look – 
like they're just whoever made that statement, and I don't believe it's every individual who belongs at Carlton. Whoever was in the room to decide to put out that statement, they are on the wrong side of history. And those AFLW girls get to wear that jumper and say, "No, we're on the right side," and we and and you're wrong. You are ac- you were actually wrong. The vote came through, and you lost, and you're wrong. And we're the winners. And I I think it's quite powerful. I know that others have come out and said, "Well, it's not really fair." You know, Carlton didn't really support a quality and now they get to 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 wear the jumper and play in the game but but I see it as these AFLW girls get to do it um, and we've always we've spoken over the last seasons how you know inclusive women's footy is and they have the right to wear the jumper because they are proud I guess I, I just I, I am happy for the AFLW Carlton girls that they they do get this opportunity but I I still personally just can't reconcile I guess, with with this club and, I mean, you know, they're a club that signs to the uh, responsible gambling charter and yet they're completely subsidised by pokey venues and I I just hope that this isn't another thing that they're paying kind of lip service to and I know in the past a lot of women and not just at Carlton, at, at lots of clubs, women stood up and spoke out and they got their heads chopped off and now they're lost to the industry and I, yeah, I think the AFL needs to look back before they move forward with these kind of things. The game itself is huge in the context of the season, as you were saying. So um, I'm so excited to see who comes out, maybe on top of the ladder at the end of it. Yeah, well, that's like we said with the Melbourne game, like this season's wide open now and Carlton are really nowhere near playing their best footy. Yeah, and if they if they sit back in that zone and they don't they don't they're not accountable enough, the Bulldogs game plan this year will just pick through the gaps. So it'll be an interesting clash of of, of game plan. I agree. And what a venue to hold such a match! It's going to be awesome. Mm. Well, the following day, Brisbane take on Fremantle mm. up at South Pine Sports Complex. So excited. One interstate club is going to have to have a loss this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> joking. <laughs> I'm joking. What do we think? Well, I, I don't know now. I don't know. I Last know you round can't tip. thrown everything up into the air. I still think Brisbane is super impressive and super even. It's not like you can just take a couple of players out and they, you know, they fall apart. But Freo, the the way they managed to withstand, you know, Melbourne's pressure, they had more of the ball and they still managed to get it done. If they don't use the ball as efficiently like Carlton did, I think Brisbane will totally take advantage of that. But it's so ah, like every game now, it's just crazy. I don't know what to say. This isn't very eloquent. Ah. (laughs) I'm going to go with Brisbane on home ground advantage alone, all else equal. Couldn't say anything definitive. Rookie mistake, Meg. You just gave a tip. Oh, she's been tipping the whole way. (laughs) Yeah, I've been tipping. I got 100%. Oh, okay. And on Saturday night in Alice Springs, Melbourne take on Collingwood. This game has Mm. become very interesting. It's going to be like 40 degrees. Mm. (laughs) Oh, God. Look. Collingwood have to win. They have to win. Yeah. But it's hard to see how they will. Melbourne, I think, will be totally stinging from last week. They've had the experience of playing. Not that, you know, Darwin and Alice Springs have the same, you know, uh, in the same climate, climate. But they've had that experience of playing in something totally sweltering and horrible. But, look, the pressure's totally on Collingwood to win. And, and, and sometimes that's what happened last year. It was at this time of the year that they turned it around. They might be able to do it again. Um 
but Melbourne, are, you know, they're doing this weird experiment where they're on the road the whole week and bonding and braiding each other's hair or something, um, or just going to coffees down, going to have coffees down laneways. Coffee and beach. <laughs> Not in Alice, though. No. So we could see, look, if Melbourne come away with – zero and two from this week-long experiment, we could see that no club ever does it ever again. Um, yeah, but it will be interesting. And then the last game of the round, GWS take on Adelaide at Blacktown. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, look, if you remember last year, the GWS Adelaide game was around one game and, you know, GWS kind of got thumped and – Adelaide won, but by the end of that game, no one was thinking much of it. Like, oh, well, they just, you know, these are the two bottom sides anyway. Um, and then, of course, the season played out how, how, as it did. So, I reckon GWS will have, you know, the sting of that loss in their whatever, proverbial. And they've just come off that great win. We know that they, you know, round one, they, they look like a winning side but couldn't get it done. And Adelaide, look, I don't know how you take Aaron Phillips out of the game, apart from totally Tonya Hardinger. Um, but I don't know. Like, I don't think everything's rosy yet with Adelaide. I think those first two rounds where they were quite shaky, you know, are are fresh memories. So we'll see. See, that's how you don't tip. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's here's a non-tip. I I love the narratives where, you know, there is an element of a player sticking it to a former club (laughs) or a former state. So if Uh, Courtney Gunn... Courtney. Turns it on again Ooh. after being oh. overlooked and, and choosing to to pursue her footy dream in New South Wales. Um, I'll <laughs> be all about it. I see your perco and I raise you a gum. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, well said. Well, that just about does us for episode four. As I say each week, if you want to get in touch with us, please give us a shout out on Instagram or Twitter at this AFL Life. Quick shout out to those people that shouted out last mm-hmm. week. I had some interaction at a couple uh, of the games. Yeah. So, hello, Connor. That mm-hmm. made my night. Um, <laughs> Sam said hi at the Collingwood game. Spoke about how much he loves No Filter. So, um, please say hi. Yeah. So good. Can I just say, I know we're trying to wrap up, but that after that happened to you, Meg, and Connor had said that he recognised your voice. I told Iconic. that ta- I told, I told <laughs> that tale to my partner, and she said, "Well, you know, because you and Al sound pretty much the same, but Meg's got a really distinct voice." I'm like, "What?" Thanks, Connor. My ego really appreciated that. <laughs> uh, and thank you also for all the lovely reviews we're getting on iTunes. Please keep them coming through. Uh, and you're welcome, you- Al. <laughs> and- <laughs> no, I didn't. And, uh, and while you're there, make sure you subscribe, and we will see you next week. See you later. Bye.